Hey, you're about to listen to an all-new issue of... McClunky. We bring the show to you free almost every week. I think maybe we take one or two weeks off a year. And it never costs anyone a dime. Well, it costs us a dime. It never costs you a dime. Uh, but a way that you can help us out a lot is, as always, you can visit our sponsors that we talk about in the show. You can also support us by going on over to patreon.com forward slash geek in the city. We have all kinds of levels there to help us out. And you get extra rewards depending on the level that you get there. But another really great way that you can help us out is to just share the show. Uh, we get comments all the time from folks, um, email messages back when you could see somebody physically in the real world saying that, hey, I love the show. Or like recently, it's like, hey, I really like the recaps you guys have been doing for Discovery and The Mandalorian. Um, and it's great. We love to hear that. It makes us feel really good. But what make us feel even better is to see like retweets of at GITC Radio on Twitter or sharing us on Facebook or sharing us on Instagram. Uh, telling us makes us feel all warm and fuzzy, but it doesn't help the show. <laughs> uh, the only way to help the show is to help us get the word out. So if you could help us share the show on Instagram, where it's Geek in the City Radio, on Facebook, even though Facebook sucks, which is also Geek in the City Radio, or on Twitter at GITC Radio. So... Yeah, help us get the word out so we can keep the show going and getting the word out there and keep having more and more years of good, geeky, and socially conscious fun. Yeah, sounds good. Let's start the show now. It's been a long, long week. Why don't you spend some time with geeks? So many issues a day into which we must delve. We're gonna talk about the stuff that makes you scream and shout. Hit the red alert, we're going more factor 12. Thanks for pressing play. Now we're gonna save the day. Why, hello, and welcome to issue 578 of Geek in the City Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Duran. I'm one of your other hosts, Bean Arita. And I am your other other host, Cable Hashitani. Yeah, yeah. That never stops being satisfying. <laughs> I I can tell by the look on your face. Which one? Because <laughs> I'm like waiting host? for it to see if it'll happen, and then it uh-huh. happens. That's what the real we gift, should... Cable. One day we should like reverse it and just see if it messes with people. Oh, it would. It would mess with me. Have like cable start and like Bean would be other other. I just see if we could pull it off without screwing up. I feel like science point to know. (laughs) I feel like we still haven't even mastered the original opening after like (laughs) three hundred episodes. So why why buck the trend? Fair. So we had promised. uh, Greg and Edelin this week for another episode or installment of Building Character. Um, but my scatterbrain was absolutely convinced I had reached out to them to confirm this weeks ago along with the other guests. Turns out I didn't. So it's just us tonight, folks. <laughs> Sorry. That one's all on me. You should have seen the look of shock on their face when I said, hey, we'll see you tomorrow. And they're like, what? Yeah, you know, it's your it's your week. What? 
<laughs> Oops. Are they going to join us next week instead? I don't think so, because next week's our special thing. I mean, they can hang out, but I don't think it's going to be like a segment. Okay. Right. Right? Yeah. Right. So, but we got lots this week. We've got our annual gift exchange. This will be the first year we don't do it in person, which is kind of weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I guess that's the thing for everyone. Nothing's in person. Nothing's supposed to be in person. Everyone is still flying and making travel plans and oh, going right. to visit people. Because I mean, if you have a porch and you can sit a few feet apart, that's fine. But yeah, don't get on the plane. Don't don't do any of other stuff. It's too late. <laughs> it's fun. But we're also going to nerd out a lot. We got mm-hmm. two episodes of Disco... And the fucking season finale of The Mandalorian. Which will lead off into so many nerdy conversations. I'm super jazzed. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So we should probably get started, huh? We should. Mm -hmm. What are we going to start with? Uh, Let's just do the gift exchange now. That way we don't get distracted by nerd stuff. That sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, All right. Well, who wants to go first? Uh, not me. Oh, boo. Well, because I'm only going to get one turn, so. Well, no, you got the end. I don't want to. Oh, dang it. I should See? that. Ah. I forgot about that. I, I thought about it earlier, and then I forgot again. Go get it. I'll be back. Right. Okay. No, we definitely have to wait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> go. Go now. Banter, 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 So, <laughs> Cable, how are you enduring... Actually, how has, like, retail been this Christmas season compared to, like, previous ones? Um, it is... Our Christmas season busy at Guardian has been our regular Saturday pre-COVID right. busy for days on end. I think like, that's... It, um, yeah. I won't go into numbers, but we're... It was. It, it started getting busy last Thursday and has kind of remained the steady level of busy since. And I don't foresee that stopping until, you know, next week sometime. Right. In theory. Um, and it must be like a weird kind of blessing. Like, A, it's like, you know, you, you kind of want the, you know, the books to be okay, but there's something to be said about not having that incredibly stressful holiday working in retail experience. For me, if I I remember those days, so. I think one of the things that has made it, a couple of things have made it better. One is that, uh, like we truncated our our hours to 11 to 7 when we first opened back up to the public. And for the holidays, we've been open from 10 to 8. That is still shorter hours than, like Guardian used to operate a 12-hour day. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Like which, 11 to 11 kind of thing. From 10, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. And that was just Monday through Thursday. Friday and Saturday would end up going anywhere between 10.30 to midnight, depending on what was going on. Yeah. Um, and it was exhausting because <laughs> we were always staffed at the minimum of what it took to cover that, not at a healthy amount of staff people for th- that amount of guests. Right. Um, not having, so 
having truncated hours helps a lot. We're, you know, we're operating 10 hours a day, seven days a week. Right. And that's plenty. Um, like if, if you look at, you know, when you take a look at what we're making per hour based on that, it's like, oh, we're actually doing better, strangely. Right. Um, and the other thing that's helped is that uh, we're not running any events. If we were still running events on top of all of this, like dealing with people who are just there to hang out and play games, as much as we like being a community space and want to have a space for that when people are allowed to do that again, that's exhausting. Like you need it's, personnel just to keep track of people doing nothing, but sitting. It's in labor camera. that uh, that doesn't necessarily turn a profit. Correct. Yeah. And now it's we're all one hundred percent focused on just dealing with customers. Yeah. Which uh, yeah, I'm sure is kind of nice in a way. Mm-hmm. Instead of yeah, running the other stuff. This time last year, I was, um, we had not succeeded in hiring additional people. So we were already short staffed before hitting the busy season. Uh, and then I had my one guy who rage quit. So I was working like 60 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't even remember. I think I didn't end up decorating my Christmas tree until like the last minute. It's just wow. like everything else besides going to work and doing that. I, just, I had no bandwidth left for anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's nuts. No. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so so far I've been all right this particular Christmas season. Um, which is, you know, I think is good. Like, we also have a regional manager who has different opinions about staffing. Uh, where it was like, oh, we need to hire this much additional staff for Christmas. It's like, it's September. She's like, yes, I know. I'm like, It takes a okay. while. It takes a while to get yeah. extra staff. It, she hired people in September to get them trained up for Christmas. And Super sure enough, smart. they're trained up. For, yeah. She spent 10 years working in the fashion industry at Zara. Oh, so yeah. she, and she honed those skills there. So she's like, this is how I want things done. And people at Zara were like, no, that's not how we do things. She's like, this is how I'm doing things. And then she was ahead of the curve when everyone else was getting swamped at Christmas time. Mm. Her stores were fine. Uh, I remember when I worked a lot of retail and they would bring in the holiday help. But it was usually like, yeah, like the first week of November, they'd start hiring. And these poor people are just overwhelmed. You know, you barely have time to learn everything before you're just like literally jumping in the fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like I would spend because this is like I'm talking about like my Walmart days. I remember I would spend a large amount of time like helping out these temp, like these holiday employees that they weren't bad employees. They were just they were lost. They were confused. They didn't know. Yeah, they didn't have training time. So mm-hmm. I don't know if it was actually a, you know, a help or not to bring people on. Well, that late. It's yeah, it definitely wasn't a help. No, mm-hmm. it's it's not because you end up doing more work. And, yeah. you know, the, the people that we brought on in September, it's like, they act like this is old hat. It's like, guys, oh, it's just Christmas. They are fully formed. Yeah. Nice. That's cool. That is very, that is very positive. Yeah. Oh, I, can't hey, even imagine, I can't imagine a supervisor who's like, no, we're going to do this 
with this much lead time so that you're actually fucking ready. Mm-hmm. You're, you don't want to be training a new staff member on December 5th. That's just done. Yeah. Nope. That's why they hired her. Woo. Also, it looks like our Canadian friend Jamie has finally been able to watch us live on the YouTubes. Oh, really? Yeah. Yay. Good. From the Great White Jamie? North. <laughs> All right, are we ready to do this? Let's I do think this. So, who's going first? Uh, well, you might as well go first then. Or are we going to shoot for it? Okay, uh, let's see how this works. Ready? Yeah, ready. One, what? two, three. Oh, I thought it was one, two, three, shoot. Yeah, it's one, two, okay. three, shoot. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. Do over. One, two, three, shoot. I don't know why I didn't change that. It's okay. Denise is out. Yeah. Okay. Wait, one? No, what? <laughs> okay, one, one two, two, three. three. Shoot. Shoot. Oh, well, oh, it's a tie again. Let yep. us continue this awkward. It's hard to do it this way. Ready? One, one yep. two, two three. three. Shoot. shoot. Oh, God damn. <laughs> you know what, Aaron? Just go first. Okay. All right. I will open, I believe, cables first. Ooh, with this really sweet Superman envelope. Is there anything in it, or is it just for the name? The, the, it's not an envelope. It's a piece of. It, it's oh. one piece of stationery that you fold in. So, don't tear it open. Well, is there something in there, like no. to read? Oh, okay. Yes, there is something there to read. It, it's just one sheet of paper. Okay. Well, I... like the the it, it the paper makes its own envelope, is what I'm saying. Right. I just oh, it's a, it's very sticky. Like it's, like it's Kryptonian glue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it's Kryptonian glue all around. It is. Oh, I can't read this on air. I'm going to make me cry. Read it. Oh, well, I have to read it like this because I don't want to tear it open. I'm reading tear it, it open. Like... Like, t- no, tear it open the sides. It's, Didn't you like a sharp thing? Something. Isn't that really nice? Did you just offer me your knife? I sure did. Uh, thanks, Bean. That was, super, that was super thoughtful of you. I appreciate <laughs> you loaning me your knife. If we'd really had our shit together, I would have been like, oh. Oh, man. We got to remember that for next time. Why aren't we more clever? I mean, that's my actual biography title. Aaron Duran. <laughs> Why wasn't he more clever? <laughs> All right. All right, this is gonna make me cry, big jerk. Dear Aaron, I love you, my friend. Oh, can I wear this out loud? Is that what you is that what you meant? Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have missed spending time with you in person, and I appreciate that I get to, at the very least, get to see you once a week. I know this year has taken its toll on you in many ways, and I'm grateful that you persevere. I promise you are not alone in your hope for better days, and have my support when the days are ba- when the days are dark. Merry Christmas, Aaron. I'm going to rein it in now. That was very nice. Thank you. Um, You're welcome. This paper's a trip. It, I actually sprung for nice paper. Yeah, it's like that Is it Lego paper. paper? It is double-sided Lego paper. It's Legos nice. on one side and popsicles on the other. Yeah. Some of my favorite things. Oh, that is awesome. Cable got me Curse of Strahd minis. 
Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I figured that was one of the few th- Curse of Strahd things that you didn't have. <laughs> I don't think I have this one. I have the other one because there's a second one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have that one. So one day I will get to actually properly play that massive legendary edition that I have. We'll get there. We'll get there. That's got to be in person. That can't be mm-hmm. a thing over anything digital. It just can't be. Thank you very much. That's awesome. I love it. You're welcome. Mm, I might make dioramas out of them, too, just for fun. <laughs> Not might. I will. All right. Uh, all right. Who's next? Let's have Bean go. Okay. Uh, I am also going to start with cables, because I already did the the awkward part of unsticking it. Oh, you got to know. Yeah. I figured once was enough for for the listeners. <laughs> Dear Denise, I love you, my friend. I'm proud of you. Moving on from work that you hated to embracing the opportunity for something new. I'm glad that we continue to grow as friends, even when we can be in the same place. Can't you are a trusted. Sure. Can't be. Okay. Uh, even uh, you are a trusted friend. Merry Christmas. Uh, okay. If you check your, okay. If you, you, if you check your email. Hmm. Checking. Working. Oh. oh boy. I sent it to Aaron too, so he can see. Oh. Nice. Me. Pretty. Oh, nice. That's. Very I do. Cool. I do love washi tape. <laughs> Those those three rolls seem to be your speed. Ooh, that purple Zen one order. That's cool with the grapes. I mm-hmm. know, right? Ooh, gold foil guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dates. I'm looking forward to these. I just got my new planner, and I'm super excited to start filling it in. Oh, I'm such a that, dork. I know these are meant to be date tapes, but the first thing I thought was like, oh, look, they're D&D stats for your character <laughs> sheet. <laughs> I mean, you could probably use them for that, there's too. There's no rule that says you can't. Mm-hmm. That's true. And it's washi tape, so it comes back off. Oh, that's so when you need to update your stat, you can just peel it off and put another one on top. I don't think I knew that about washi tape. Um, I mean, it can be a little bit risky on certain types of paper. So, like for example, my planner uses um, Tomoe River paper, which is like very, very thin and supposed to be very durable, but um, it it will washi paper will tear the surface of that. So you have know. to, but like on a regular, like sturdy piece of like copy paper or like on the cover of your binder, very, very uh, removable. Cool. Cool. Free yeah, facts ho- about washi tape for you listeners. I know. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping against hope that it was going to show up in the mail today at the very least, but meh. That's all right. We're doing this early, so. This is yeah. true. That's true. That's right. Also, I blame Lois to Joy. Yes. Love that guy. 100% the reason why people's packages are late. So why yep. don't you go easy on your carriers right now? Yeah, tell them what a good job they're doing for yeah. Pete's sake. Oh, yeah, moderately... no, no. The, mail, the mailman is like the guy who rings the bell in front of the department store with the, you know, for the Salvation Army collection. I'm mad at Salvation Army, not at the guy ringing the bell. Right. Right. 
Also, our our mail carrier is amazing. I can always tell when he's on vacation or he had to take a few days off because nothing goes right. Mm. He's also super nice. Whenever he leaves a package, he'll always knock. Just to let us know, like, yeah, I left something there. And if I'm outside, like, working at the table out there, he'll be like, you want this in your mailbox or want me to just leave it here? I'm like, you just leave it there. Okay. He's super nice. nice. He's great. Meanwhile, if I get, like, a, U- uh, a UPS or a FedEx package, they just throw it in the sort of a breezeway between yeah. my house and my garage. They're just like, that's not a front door. Whatever. Right. Um, FedEx is the worst. Well, I don't know the, why, but the worst is DHL. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing, true. but they're also international, so they have right. a lot more like hoops to jump through they just do. to exist. But every time mm-hmm. I order something and I get the thing from track with DHL, I'm like, oh no, <laughs> oh my god. I think my planner comes from uh, gets delivered via DHL. Yeah, I guess they're also Japan. the cheapest international, which is probably part of it. Fair. Yeah. So I'm going to open Denise's first, but I want to show this to the listeners that these are nearly identical wrapped packages. Uh, And I'm going to be terribly amused if they're the same thing. (laughs) How would that happen? Denise and I are always in perfect communications at all times. This is true. So one would think that you had planned this. <laughs> I don't know which eventuality is more amusing or more likely. Either one of them, quite honestly. <laughs> All right. Do to do. Do to do. That's a good bow. That's going to be a toy for Manju later. <laughs> Love wrapping Christmas presents. What someone does. I do like wrapping them. I think it's fun. Like, uh, I this don't... year, I enjoy stuff, doing. Hmm. Even though most of the gifts I purchased this year were shipped to me, and I could have had just shipped them to the recipient, I, I actually had them shipped to me so I could wrap them and then ship them to my parents' house. That makes sense. Not the smartest move cost wise, <laughs> but that's yeah. not why you do it. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah, but then at that point it's like what's done is done. It has been done here, it's been done in the ancient times, it cannot be undone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love from... the rap presents. Like the more Ooh. it appears to be <laughs> Those are cool. That's cute. Thank you, Denise. Yeah. I, as of yet, don't have any brickheads, so this is exciting. Oh, cool. I didn't think you did, and I was like, I hope it's not because he thinks they're dumb. It's not. It's just I, like, it took me a while to get my head around them, um, and there was also a huge push for them when they first came out. And at the same time, like, when we used to carry them at Guardian, we got those and we kept getting Funko Pops and I just kept equating the two. And I'm like, ah, but over the years, I've been seeing what people are doing with them. And I'm like, these right. are actually a lot more fascinating than I thought they were. What do people so, do with this them? This is exciting. Do they- just, like, the things that people will customize to make their own brickheads 
Like they they actually came out with a set which is a blank brick head, the the basic form of it, and then all kinds of bricks so you can you could make your own version of yourself as a brickhead. Oh, well, that's cool. I saw that once, but like a long time ago. Yeah. It was yeah, it was about three years ago. That's cool. In mm-hmm. my brain that is a long time. Three yeah. Well <laughs> considering this ago. year has been sixteen years long. That's right. For me, I've got like I've got like today, the future, a couple days ago, which can span up to six months. And then everything beyond that is just the past. Nice. Like, you still can't convince me that the 80s were not 20 years ago. I'm like, you know, when, like, Back to the Future came out or some shit. Yeah, 40. 40 years ago. The 80s were 40 years ago. Yes, yes. And I've been made aware of that many times lately. <laughs> <laughs> I, I work with children, so... <laughs> That's like, true, you do. Yeah, I never The really staff of Guardian has become... A handful of grumpy old men and children. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of twee, energetic. A lot of, like, everyone uh, in the range of their uh, mid, early to mid-20s and a few 30-year-olds. And then everyone else is, like, <laughs> 40 and up. Right. <laughs> wow. Like, Sinclair and I are, like, looking at 50 next year. So. <laughs> Whew heck of a thing mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm still like reconciling with how different it is to be in your 30s than your 20s and i'm more than halfway through so you i are soon entering the late 30s realm right now and i'll be 37 in six months i think so right? yeah mm-hmm. 37 That's is right. when it 37 is when the late 30s moniker starts to kick in Oh, okay. Just the mo- I'm like, that's fine. Like, you can call me yeah. that whenever. It's, my, bo- it's my body that I'm having yeah. a hard time adjusting with. <laughs> Just do everything slower. Start doing the old man. They call it the old man wake up. You roll on your side and push with your arms before you sit up all the way. I don't have to do anything like that. But basically, my first steps are going from my bed to the bathroom. And it's usually this like, oh, oh God. Ah, ah, for like three quarters of the trip. Because how do feet work? Yeah, I've got this. I get this like crazy sort of pins and needles. It's not like my feet were asleep type of sensation. It's like it's like all my tendons and muscles just cinched up while I slept, and now I have to like stretch them back out just to take normal steps. They're they're angry at you being awake. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, cable. Jamie Jamie said you opened that package like you were Data and TNG. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's awesome. I don't think I've seen that particular reference. It's a uh, season. Oh, yeah, um, it, you've seen it. You might remember it's season two, Measure of a Man, when he's going to transfer because they want to take him apart, so they throw him a going away party. That one. No, I don't remember, but I, I, I can like mentally picture it. It's like a like how does yeah. this work? That also made me wonder. On a in a place where like you can literally create anything you want, why Data felt there was a need to make sure that that paper was reusable? <laughs> it's literally going to get. Because one of the writers thought it was funny. It was funny. I do give him that. It was funny. That's fair. Uh, I could definitely postulate on a lot of uh, like I, I could come up with a really complex explanation for why, but. Mm-hmm. The, the the correct answer is yeah. A writer thought it would be funny. It is funny. Yes. Uh, 
Is it All back right. to me? It's back yes. to you. That means this one's from Bean. Yeah. I am such a fan of gift bags, by the way. I just like them aesthetically. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a hard time putting gifts in a gift bag. The tissue paper is always like awkward for me. I don't know. I, I'm much happier wrapping paper around a we'll, box. We'll do a gift bag party one time. I will take you through my gift bag workshop. Oh. I, I maybe have an entire thing that I do, which probably says a lot about me. I would be fascinated to see that. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's a whole thing involved with it. It's pretty cool. It, well, I think that Bean should get a, a private lesson in this. This sounds like something that you should put together for your Patreon. That's a good idea. <laughs> That's a good one. Well, it started because I think like 25 years ago, I learned about there's an entire like Japanese art to wrapping gifts by the number of folds, depending on what kind of gift it's for. And that set me down that path. Uh, the, the ones that I've seen are like just like really unique ways to wrap a box with gift paper or fabric. This is really cool. Yeah. Thank so those it looks are kind of like special. a bone almost or like a tusk, like a horn. Those are special from Queen Mab, and now I have to remember. Because there's pink at the bottom of it, but black at the beginning. So this clearly has to mean something. This is one of the early ones that I picked up, so now I have to like struggle <laughs> to remember the details. It didn't come with any. So it's called a Sacred Spirits Pillar Candle. Uh, nice. She makes them herself. Oh, wow. And it's vegan soy. Cool. Yeah. Well, isn't all soy vegan? That's a good point. And maybe it just depends on what other aspects of the processing. Yeah, right. Thank you very much. This is really cool. I'm going to look yeah. up more about it and stuff. Mm, more candles for my space. It makes me very happy. Thank you so I'm much. I'm remembering what it smells like right now. Oh, is it that nice? Is it really yeah. nice? Yeah. Look, smell it. It's right there. <laughs> it's, you have um, it. I feel like... A lot of the aromas locked into the oils inside it. I actually can't smell anything. Mm. Before Anita makes a COVID joke, it's not it. I can smell my fucking pumpkin spice latte candle just fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, is it back to me? I think mm-hmm. so. Okay. Which means now we should be on Aaron's presence. Yes. Yay! I, I might have went a little ribbon and tape happy on that. I have Come on. Okay, I can deal with knots later. Maybe. Yeah, be careful tearing into it. It's fragile-esque. Good girl, Manchu. Manchu approves of your wrapping paper, Denise. Fantastic. Come on! We went to the same store. Wow, are we, we're either getting less creative with each other or we are just really, don't set that on fire. We are just really honed in on each other. We're really dialing in on each other. <laughs> now, you also need to check your email again now. Oh, and so just because I haven't shown it yet, this is an incense making kit. Ooh, that one's the transformation kit. Tran- oh, it does say that. Yeah. Now I have to go to my email also. Mm-hmm. Should be a forwarded email to to you. Oh, fun! Yeah. Oh, super! 
online class to learn about uh, learn more about incense making. Nice. Yeah. I just figured over the year you were making like different like smudges and satchels and all that stuff. I was like, maybe she wants to make more kind of crafty stuff like that. So yeah, actually that's because if I keep doing that, it's more, it seems to be more of a thing for me in the summer and spring when there's, you know, fresh herbs and flowers and stuff. Um, But if I keep making those kits, it might be nice to be able to like put more things in those kits that I made myself. Yeah. Yeah. So I figured that'd be fun. Thank you, friends. You're welcome. Yay! I love to give gifts. It's fun. One of my favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> you ready, Cable? Here we go. All right. Moment of truth. <laughs> yeah, the tension's killing me. Oh, don't you already know? Yeah, but I'm trying to maintain the facade for the show. (laughs) I see. (laughs) He's opening up my data again. This is just how I unwrap presents. I'm going to do the Pulaski. I'm like, Data, you're just supposed to tear it. I very rarely tear wrapping wrapping paper. I, I very rarely do either. I never reuse it because it's got tape and stuff on it, and it's not recyclable, so I don't know. I don't know why. I think you can buy recyclable wrapping paper. Now. I think it's, you it's can a now, learned but... behavior that we pick up from somewhere. If, yeah. you, if you come from a family or a culture of have not. Yes. So My mom I... reused every single wrapping paper that showed up. That... Uh, yeah, I, I get that. So, um, again, proving the point that Aaron and Denise might be a little too in sync. <laughs> no, but wait, that one's got Mando on that side. Oh, I was trying something else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, nope. That's awkward. You know, so here's the funny thing, Cable, is we both wanted to get you different things, but Legos are, like, sold out everywhere. Yes, everywhere. yes, they are. That were within the agreed-upon budget that we set for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm, I'm aware <laughs> that they are sold out <laughs> everywhere. Um, oh, pretty bean with a ribbon. Um, yeah, there was actually a set that I would, if it was another year and people were more flush, I wouldn't have cared because I think about a month ago, Disney gave Lego permission to sell all of the in-park exclusive sets to stores because no one's shopping in the park. Oh, wow. Yeah, so like the troop transport that you ride in Rise of the Resistance has a Lego set and it just became available to purchase. Oh. Yeah, so there's a couple things that were park exclusives but so but disney's like well ain't no one shopping in our parks for the foreseeable future so open them up to everyone yeah that's smart yeah same reason you can buy all of the not the ones you build but all of the sabers that they sell in galaxy's edge so like you know like yeah so um like yeah you can you can buy those off their website now too so good to know but you mentioned that people modify their brickheads you could make a you could make a boba or a I could. Sabine. Mm-hmm. 
So we, we did discuss it. We, we figured it out, before, you know, about a day early, I guess. Uh, and we, 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 were, we both have receipts. And we're like, well, if he wants to, we can return one of them and, you know, find something else. And Aaron's like, maybe he'll just want to keep them both and do something special. There's, I've tried to explain this to people over the years because I've, I've, because family always goes, well, what do you want for Christmas? I'm like, I want Lego. They're like, which one? I'm like, (laughs) yes. They're like, well, we don't want to get you something you already have. It's like, do you not understand how Lego works? That's true. (laughs) Just build whatever the hell you want. That's true. (laughs) Uh, by the way, I want to share a couple things that are going on in the chat while we've been uh, I know, they're jumping and away right now. It's cool. Um, Bex uh, says that uh, they feel like a lot of gift giving this year has been a, just a good version of Ding Dong Ditch. I think that's, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> you know, where like you, you ring someone's bell and then run yes. away. So yeah. that, oh, 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 okay. Do they not have that in um, in the backwoods of California? Uh, they do. They do. It has no word. There's no word to run to quickly enough. It had a much more uh, repellent um, name. Do we want to know? No. Okay. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. Nope. Okay. Is I never racist? played it, but it had a much more um, repellent and racially charged name. Very well. Yep. Uh, oh, all of a sudden, I think I know what it is. Um, yep. But it could just be like a weird mixing of memory stuff. Um, uh, but yeah, it is true. Her I... uncle used to wrap gifts in garbage bags. Uh, but like that reminds me that I used to really love. Um, I always used to like it when people would wrap a gift in uh, the Sunday comics. Oh, that's cool. Back when you know people used to get newspapers. I went through a phase where I wanted to wrap all my presents in turned inside out paper grocery bags. And I would make them look like old-timey, rustic, like D&D gifts. So, like, they were just brown paper. And then I would decorate it with, like, twigs and pieces of bone and, like, feathers and stuff like that. I, I went through that kind of really nerdy wrapping paper phase. <laughs> I like brown wrapping paper for um, for general gifts. And in, in more creative slash, like, energetic times, I, like, just go balls to the wall decorating the paper itself like with stickers and doodles i used black wrapping paper one year and then only used like red and silver ribbon ribbons and was pretty Mm, sweet mm -hmm. yeah well cool that was thanks you guys thank you thank you very much wait i can light this candle now i think you could you could and we can enjoy it through smell-o-vision. Mm, that's right. <laughs> the same way she was going to hand me a knife. <laughs> ah! Thank goodness so, for an empty can. Which science fiction um, show do we want to jump into first? My instincts tell me Discovery, because even mm-hmm. though it's a two-parter, I feel like The Mandalorian is going to be the one where we go on super tangents. Mm-hmm. 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 So that's my thoughts. Agreed. Yeah. And this is a perfect spot to take a break and talk about our amazing sponsors. First up, there is Guardian Games. You can find them at 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. You still have time to pop on in there and get the game for the, uh, you know, the, the nerdy gamer in your life, uh, even if it's you 
you can buy yourself a present too. There are no rules when it comes to enjoying yourself this year. I mean, there are, but not when it comes to board games and role-playing games, I guess. Um, <laughs> if you uh, if you do have a gamer in your life, but you're not quite sure what they are into, what kind of games they like, you can always get a Guardian Games gift certificate. It uh, it's yeah, no, it's perfect. That way, you know whoever's receiving it is going to get exactly the the game or the cards or the minis or the paints, or that new shiny new dice set, whatever that's going to be, they are going to get the the item that they want. You can also check them out online at guardiangames.com. Regardless of how you check them out, uh, whether it be in person, on the phone, or online, please thank them for being a sponsor of Geek in the City Radio. And then, before we head back here, it's a quick time to talk about Bridge City Comics, so, um, 3725 North Mississippi Avenue in Portland, Oregon, you are going to start seeing, in fact, we're already seeing it, but you're going to start seeing a lot of the year-end, you know, the 10 best comic books, the 10 best indie books, the 10 best graphic novels, the 10 best, 10 best lists. Um, if any of the books that you see on those lists sound interesting to you, there's a very good chance they will have them at Bridge City Comics. If they don't have them, they can order them. Uh, it might be too late to order something for Christmas because that's just how Diamond do but, you know, sometimes it's fun to get something that shows up around January 5th. It's like, woohoo, look at that's a new present for Christmas. Unless you're Russian Orthodox, in which that is Christmas. Yay! Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, any of the comics you might be looking for, they are going to have at Bridge City Comics. And like a lot of our other sponsors, they also provide gift certificates. If you're not sure just what funny books your kids are into or whatever like that, uh, Bridge City Comics will, you know, gift certificate to Bridge City We'll make sure that they get the exact comic book or trade that they have been craving. And when you do so, uh, please thank the folks at Bridge City Comics for being a sponsor of Geek in the City Radio. In fact, that goes a long way when you, I mean, it's great that people like shop there and, you know, because you listen to the show and it's amazing. Thank you. It goes a long way, especially when you pick something up saying, hey, I thanks for, you know, I, I popped in because of Geek in the City Radio. This is where I hear the ads all the time. So that goes a long way to help us as well. And, uh, yeah, before we head back, a quick little shout-out to Revnat of Revnat Hard Cider for hooking us up with equipment so the show continually sounds professional as we are all recording from different rooms in all areas of the city. So a big thank you to Revnat of Revnat Hard Cider for providing some equipment that we're going to get back to using right now on Geek in the City Radio. We have an accord. We have an accord. All right, so uh, if you haven't seen Star Trek Discovery for the past two weeks, now is the time to either leave the YouTube or stop the podcast because we're going to talk about Star Trek Discovery Epa, Terra Firma Parts 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, the quick recap of it is the Discovery finds out the signal that potentially leads to the burn. It's in the middle of a nebula, but Giorgio is literally dying at a subatomic level and they need to fix her and they find a planet that is the source of that could find the cure but it's not quite just that it's actually a trip to the mirror universe and really this both episodes were what 90 percent mirror universe shenanigans mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I feel like it was more 70 percent right yeah 70 75 okay so it, it felt like it was a. Uh, a full episode of Mirror Universe and a full episode of Discovery, but one got sh- one was shorter than the other. 
So like the yeah. Mirror Universe episode was 70 minutes long and the the um, Discovery episode was like 50 minutes long, 45. Yeah, it's weird that the overarching main plot of the series was basically the B-plot of this two-parter mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, Which is funny because it's, you know, sort of the key arc for the whole season. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the signal and what it means. Um, I think it like it's no secret that the the goal of this episode was to find a way to move Michelle Yeoh off of Discovery proper, right, and put her back into the Star Trek universe in a time period where she could be, so that they can do the Section Thirty One television show that she's contracted to do. Exactly. Yeah, and I think you called it Cable. What was what was physically wrong with her was the manifestation of the fact that she was far from home in, in two ways, in both mm-hmm. time and space. That was the, when, when we get to see uh, David Cronenberg, who is now my favorite Star Trek character. <laughs> Did you read the interview? They interviewed him like last week Mm-mm. about what he thinks about his role in Trek and his, his like his part in the story. He's basically like, I, I really have no idea what I'm doing here or what the story is. <laughs> this is just an interesting character to play, and I'm playing him. They're like, you know you're in Star Trek, right? He's like, well, I'm aware of that part, but I really don't know my place in it. <laughs> it's a very Cronenberg answer. Yeah, that is very David Cronenberg. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed wait. today, um, I hadn't made the connection before, but his name is Kovich. Um, is that what the character's name is? I don't mm-hmm. remember. And it made me think of... Danny Kovich, I believe his name was, from Altered Carbon. Oh, Kovach. Kovach. Okay, not the same. Yeah. Um, that was all. It does, that doesn't go anywhere. I'm sorry. <laughs> Very well. <laughs> Still need to watch the second season of Altered Carbon. Yeah. I struggled through it. I was way, way less invested. Hmm. That's fair. So... Yeah, this, and I think, I, I I didn't dislike the episodes, but for me personally, it, it felt like a lot of wasted narrative time. I kind of knew the point of it was so that we could get Michelle Yeoh back so she could have her own show. And when your season's only, what, 16, 18 episodes a season or whatever? 14, I believe. 14? Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of time to devote to something that doesn't move the story along for me. Um, and that was my big issue with it. It just felt like, wow, you guys ate up so much time. I hope that doesn't mean you're going to rush like the season now, narratively. Interesting. Because I was sort of of the opinion that, like, you know what? Everyone enjoys a good Mirror Universe episode, even if it doesn't necessarily add to you know whatever the the higher arc of of what's happening right is um and i especially enjoyed uh in the in the season one mirror universe stuff there's no burnham she's already gone right that you know the the mirror burnham um mm-hmm. and so this was a chance for sonequa to get to play a different version of her same character that she hasn't had an opportunity to before i hadn't thought about that that's a very good point I started thinking about it during my rewatch because she is she is chewing up some of that dialogue. Oh yeah. And some of those mm-hmm. scenes. She is just like 
her her acting it implies that the character is going a little bit mad even before all of the agonizer stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I was wrong. It's 13 episodes, so there are only three episodes left. Of three episodes season. left. Yep. Ooh. All right. Um, Which I think that's why I kind of believe that we're not going to get a complete closure with this season. I think there's still going to be stuff that carries into season 14. Or season is this four. the first time Disco does the to be continued? Maybe. Which is Oof. kind of shitty because it's going to take them a lot longer to crank out season four now. I mean, oh, no, they said they're filming it right now. Yeah. Anthony Rapp has mentioned they're filming now. So, okay, maybe it won't be that long. Technically, to. season two ends on a cliffhanger. Just because they don't say to be continued at the end of the last episode of a season doesn't make That's it true. any less of a cliffhanger. I think they had also written it that way in case they weren't coming back for season three. Mm. They knew pretty early on they were getting a season three. Did they? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. it also felt like that, eh, maybe they're not. Maybe someone changed their mind. Yeah. Uh, no, from everything I've read, uh, CBS is very happy with Discovery. They're happy with all of their Trek content right now. As much as uh, the, you know, like hater fandoms out there love to create stories that CBS is secretly angry at all things Trek and they want to fire everyone. Like, no, they're not. You just are making up bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think that... Uh... I think that uh, um, CBS and Paramount are also looking at what is going on with Star Wars on Disney Plus and going, yeah, we, we need to go ahead and do that with Star Trek. We actually yeah. have the franchise to do that with. Yeah. Yeah, I remember thinking that probably probably right around when they announced Picard, because that's when they announced a whole bunch of shows. And I was like, oh, look, someone at CBS or Paramount finally realized that they also have one of the longest running sci-fi franchises in the fucking history of show business. Because mm-hmm. I just imagine like executives at Paramount or CBS like, man, Disney's got Star Wars. Like, what we need is we need our own Star Wars, our own brand to attach multiple shows to. If only we had that. And here's the truck people <laughs> like, hey, I mean, hello. <laughs> we, are, we are literally right here. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, as for the episode, like, don't get me wrong, like, watching all of those actors just freaking chew the scenery as their mirror universe counterparts is fun to watch. So, the mirror universe to me has kind of become this thing where I will almost always have fun watching the performers, mm-hmm. but story-wise, they always leave me flat because I feel like they rarely have an impact in On the, the greater storyline? Story. Yeah, they... Yeah. I think that's true of the the two-parter that they did in the last season of Enterprise. I would oh, yeah. have much much preferred two more episodes of furthering the creation of the Federation. Um, instead, we got two episodes of setting the, the mirror universe. Right. Which is a blast. It's fun to watch. It is a lot of fun. And it um, ended up pr- uh, providing... Uh, new continuity that yeah. was then carried through in Discovery. Like part of the whole reason that uh, Giorgio is the emperor there leads right back to um, Hoshisato. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. I, I can agree that 
technically speaking, we we spent a little too much time in a in an arena that didn't develop the the story, you know, to get us to the finale, mm-hmm. you know, well fleshed out. But I think that um, I think that Giorgio is was an important character for the Discovery series, even though she's leaving. And, you know, Michelle Yeoh is such an icon that it was really, really great to just, like, really give her this time to flesh out this character. You've got all this buildup in the, you know, the earlier parts of the season where she's just, she's almost, like, over-the-top bad guy, Emperor Georgiou. Mm-hmm. And in in reaction to the fact that she doesn't know what's happening to her, and now that she has a little bit of context, and all of a sudden she's back where she used to belong, just this revelation of how much she has changed, and then her desire to to bring uh, Michael with her into that new type of self. Right. You just like they really, really established i thought it was some really beautiful writing that monologue that they have that ends with the uh, the firefly story mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just all of this this concept of like i've seen a better world a different way that we can live and i you know and i want you to see it with me um and then ultimately that doesn't work out which like adds to the heartbreak of it all um I thought that it was really, really good writing, and even though it's like a little bit meta, I think that there, there, that that writing is is for us. It's for the the overall message of the show. Sure. You know, this is this is who we are now here as part of the Terran Empire. But I've seen that we can be different. Which right. I I agree with all of that, and I I think that helped dispel. <laughs> Like, Giorgio has spent the better part of the past uh, season and a half of Discovery reminding Michael how much she is not her Michael. Because it's like, my Michael was much better. This she, she she figured this out. She would always do this. And upon seeing her again and reliving those experiences, it's like, I think I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. I think I've been looking through the lens of nostalgia based around whatever passes for guilt for a Terran of right. having to kill her. And now it's like, oh, I've I've been wrong this whole time. As much as I want this, like you to be the Michael that exists in my head, I think the one from the Prime Universe is closer to what I think Michael should be. Mm-hmm. Right. Damn it. And now I'm going to have to go admit that to her. Well, and it also, it allows her to realize how much she has changed, mm-hmm. you know, because she spent the last however many weeks just like threatening to tear people's guts out for, you know, like <laughs> looking at her the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And then the moment she's back where she thought she belonged, she's, she's too soft. Mm-hmm. Right. I didn't think she was soft. I did think that she was more she stopped being a hammer and started being a scalpel. I'm, I'm when I say too soft, I mean like yeah. they are, she is looked at sure. that way. Right. Th- that's yeah. the perception. Right. No, I know. I think that she was very, very adhered in her conviction that she knew the right way to, to move the Terran empire forward. Right. <clears throat> it does also from like a total nerdy, like canon side, it actually changes 
um, damn near all we know about the Terran Empire after TOS. Because in this, in Terra Firma, or yeah, in Terra Firma, they crush the early Klingon, Cardassian, Bajoran alliance. Which means they're not around to pick up the pieces when Spock begins to implement changes in the Terran Empire in mirror after mirror mirror. Because that's what leads to chaos that allows that coalition to rise up. That's now been crushed. So, not saying that they're ever going to revisit that, but that's just something for, uh, fun to do, like a mental thing of like, oh, what happens to the Terran Empire now? I, I think that's what would have happened to the Terran Empire if the, what the the Guardian showed her was reality. Oh, so you don't think what he showed her was actually real? No. It was all just a guardian mm-hmm. simulation. Okay. It was uh, so that she could be wait. <laughs> Let's talk about that real quick before moving on, because we have to acknowledge number one, that Aaron called it and is 100% right on this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that uh, Paul Guilfoyle was playing who? The guardian of forever. <laughs> uh, so we, uh, we looked it up. Um, they used the same piece of audio from the original TOS episode. Oh, yeah. That, in that... That was a really cool scene, by the way. Oh, I, I, I screamed pretty loud. when I, <laughs> Like, my instincts were still like, it's the Guardian of Forever, and we're going to get that reveal. But, yeah, when they used the voice, I was like, yeah! It's a total nerd moment for me. Um, that does raise a weird question, though. That means the Guardian of Forever can move. Yep. Uh, I mean, he is forever. Uh, but it was to be the guardian of forever. You have to exist in all times. So, I guess that's true. Um, it was implied that he was hidden when when the Enterprise finds him in TOS. Mm. Um, I do love that little throwaway—not even throwaway line, but that little line where the guardian acknowledges that he's the that it's the reason there was a temporal war. Mm-hmm. Once word got out that you could you could go anytime you wanted, it was the oh well crap I have to stop them from doing this now. Um, and and I I like how that also tied into uh, the continuing backstory of the sphere data merging with discovery, yeah, and becoming a new form of AI because it's like that's the only way. It's like this database isn't complete. And this database isn't complete, but you also add in to it this 10,000-year-old data collection sphere that we we took away. Once all unified, they're like, oh, yeah, it's right over here. <laughs> That's where the Guardian is. Right. Um, Norm points out that maybe the Guardian of Forever is actually an Iconian. And so then technically uh, he is a version of the gates, the Iconian gates. Yeah, I just it, Iconians traveled space, not time. Mm. That was their thing. They could go anywhere in space, but they couldn't go anywhere in different times. Yeah, I, I always got the impression from TOS that those were two different races. That, yeah. that there's there are clearly like three or four super-powered races that the Enterprise came into contact with, like yeah. the Ecosians, the Guardian of Forever, um, uh, the Organians. The, the, the they all still, have, they all still mm-hmm. have one thing in common. 
They're all dicks. They're all smug dicks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Guardian wasn't. He was very cagey, though, and like just he, just he was just like really impossible to talk to. You mean the Discovery one or when they first found him? The Discovery one. I would have to oh. rewatch the uh, World on the Edge of Forever to... Yeah, City. I'm sitting there forever. He's City very much... It's just very matter-of-factly. They're like, what are you? He's like, I am the Guardian of Forever. What do you do? He was basically like... I am the Guardian. I am this I'm the Guardian. Forever. That is smug. He's talking to just like a simple human. Like, explain it like I'm four because I don't know any of this. He was actually he, explaining he, it to Spock who got it. Because the guardian okay. said, the guardian said, like I can show you anytime, anywhere. That's what I'm, I do. And Spock's I'm going like, to go oh, back. I'm going to go back to watch that episode and or listen to our conversation about it and see how I felt about it. Because you could be, everyone knows at this point. I, I think all of these uh, super intelligent space beings are all assholes. Oh yeah, not don't get me wrong. They usually are. That's because they are. Yeah. Well. Are there Organians? Well, once you watch the Enterprise episode, yeah, the Organians are assholes. <laughs> when they're willing to, like, all right, let's see if this, yeah, they're assholes. That's true. What was the name of the, the, the race of beings that, uh, from Arena, that pit the, Metrons. the Gorn Cap, the Metrons? Yeah. Thanks. We are the Metrons. Which I'm just now realizing. So that that's why they picked what they looked like because it's a variation of Metatron. Yeah, that's why it looks like a, like a weird blonde cherub angel. Yeah, angel. okay, yeah. Thank yeah. <laughs> you. Sorry. Um, yeah, I know. I thought that too because it's very so, so, sounds very similar to I am the Metatron. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who in the Bible looks nothing like Alan Rickman? He's got like thousands of eyes and like a shit ton of wings and is terrifying. Well, I mean, angels don't look anything like that either, so... Yeah, no, no. All angels are terrifying if you actually, like, read how they're mm-hmm. described. So, something else that um, I've been struggling with um, from these episodes is the whole situation with Arium and uh, Nielsen. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe I'm remembering incorrectly, or I'm, I forgot a, a crucial detail that would have made this make sense to me, but... Um, I, what I thought had happened was the actress who played Lieutenant Arium, when when that character was killed off, they brought her that actress back as uh, Nielsen. The the season two actress yeah. that was playing Arium is now playing Lieutenant Nielsen. Yeah. The season one actress that was playing Arium is only shown in the flashback sequence in season two when we see her as human. Okay. Because I I've been like trying to like line them up, um, because there's two actresses. Yes. Yeah. And so it seems like Sarah Mitich is the original Arium. Uh, well, she's also Nielsen now. Okay, so she's the second Arium. She okay. was brought in to just be Arium for in the background. For season two, because they were going to kill her off um, as part of the story, and I believe the actress from season one had other commitments or could not. Yeah, it, I, think... I don't remember if it was makeup or it w- was another job or something happened where she could not continue on. So they're like, oh, okay, we just need someone to be Ariam in the background, and then we'll I do see. this episode. And but they also Hannah... really, yeah, 
Hannah Cheeseman. Yes. Yeah. Well, what's funny is there's an interview where mm -hmm. Hannah gets uh, talks about you know how they wrote the character out and you know her departure from the cast. I didn't have time to read it. That's I think maybe that's where I got really thrown Mm. off is if if Hannah the actress went away. And then uh, Sarah was brought in, and that's why the credits are outlined the way they are. Right. And I'm going off like third-hand information and in articles too, so I, there are details that I could be getting wrong as well. But they got to be in a scene together. Mm-hmm. I I do appreciate that the mirror universe versions of these characters, uh, Arium and Detmer. Neither no one of them. No, right. no cybernetics. So whatever happened to them in the prime universe did not happen in the, the Terran universe. Right. Go ahead. Also, I don't think a cybernetic Arium would exist in the Terran Empire because because there's so, because of the xenophobia. Well, and I I would also say like uh, requiring cybernetics would be seen as some form of weakness. So mm-hmm. why even let you continue to exist? Exactly. Both of both of those things. Um, Unless you're getting like badass cybernetic, I, I, yeah, no, I got a cybernetic arm, but it's a gun. You know, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, also, um, they they really. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I've had fun with it is the right way of putting it. But like you said, Cable Detmer has no cybernetic uh, prostheses uh, in the Terran um, in the Mirror Universe, but there is a scene where there's like an explosion and you only see her from behind. She falls down and then they like really, really take their time with revealing her face. So you're like waiting to see if she comes out with the same damage to her face Mm -hmm. that results in the prime universe uh, prosthetics. But then they never did. She was fine. Yeah. But, you know, it's fun. I I definitely want to... It did make me curious. It does make me interested in the inevitable. Um, not, I don't mean in a bad way, but the the pending Section Thirty One show. Um, and also makes me wonder if the Section Thirty One show is not going to just deal with the era that Giorgio is sent back to. I wonder if they are going to be behind the scenes fixing holes in time that the Temporal Cold War did. Could be because they flat out a legend. Well, and they have flat out (laughs) Star Trek's versions of Legends of Tomorrow. That actually, I would watch the shit out of that. (laughs) Um, I mean, I'm going to anyway. Um, Well, because they have flat out acknowledged the Kelvin timeline uh, in Terraform in Part One. How so? When um, so when David Cronenberg's character is talking with Culper and Giorgio, they bring up that one alien or with non-human who is in a TNG show era uniform because they're talking about the last time we saw an example this bad was this guy uh, when he wound himself traveling through time and in different dimensions one where Vulcan had been destroyed by a rogue Romulan going back in time oh I missed that part of the dialogue yeah it's, it's yeah, a quick little nod mind. to acknowledging the Kelvin timeline hmm. All right. which CBS Publishing is bringing back. So hmm. I have a weird feeling they're not done with the Kelvin timeline. I, one way or another. I always hope not. I like the story opportunities with the Kelvin timeline. 
It lets mm-hmm. you kind of it lets you play with the familiar and then tweak it. You know, so you're fine with it as long as JJ Abrams isn't involved. Fuck you, one hundred percent. Star Trek Beyond is the best of all of those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it should be noted that Terra Firma was both episodes were written by Bo Young Kim and Erica Lippolt. Uh, they are executive producers on most of season three and writers from season two. They are the showrunners for uh, section 31. Yeah. So this will be a Asian led and Asian run Star Trek series. Yeah. Which I am kind of fascinated with. Especially in light of other news from another universe in a galaxy far, far away. Oh, yeah. That sounds like a transition. That's what I'm trying for. That All we learned right. about from this last week's season it. finale of The Mandalorian. Nice. This guy. This guy right here. <laughs> With his spear. Also, man, speaking also like of uh, Bo Young Kim, like, I feel like no one heard about her, and then she was everywhere. Uh, so I listened to an interview with uh, with her and her writing partner. Mm-hmm. Yes. They got they got hired on as basically like third tier writers in the writers room because they got discovered for their work on CW's Rain, which right. is mm-hmm. a historical fiction drama. Yeah, um, and that was a job that they got right out of school. They got into, uh, the two of them got into Trek um, through Deep Space Nine. They, they were both fans of uh, Deep Space Nine, and I forget exactly how they met. I believe it was in college, and they just started writing together. Uh, Boyan Kim, I believe, is still a Korean national. Mm. So she was studying in in the States, and then they've... You know, they they just stayed friends and kept writing together. There's a on on another podcast that I listen to. This is how I found out about most of this. Um, the podcast uh, "All the Asians on Star Trek" um, by uh, it's done by Phil Yu. He talks to both of them, and they talked about. Uh, their entire run on discovery and hinted at, but never gave away what they were going to do in this particular season of discovery in order to get uh, Michelle Yeoh into section 31. Right. So Hmm. it's, it's worth a listen. Like it, it I'm, I'm a big fan of this show. I'm glad that Phil Yu is doing it and it is, Definitely a great show to listen to if you are any sort of Trekkie. Nice, I'll check it out. Their their his last episode of the season was with um, Rosalind Chow. Oh, nice, cool. Well, should we jump been, into Mando now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been listening to that show and it's really really good cable. So thank check you for bringing You're welcome. bringing that to I need my more attention. Trek podcast, so I will check it out. Uh, he- all right. So, fucking all the things happen in, in um, episode 16, chapter 16, The Sacrifice. Um, which is funny, I remember when they released that title, 
because there's a track, um, as always happens with Star Wars, someone finds the track listing of the music and spoils something. Oh, of course they do. So Yeah, so on one of the Star Wars music reddits, someone said, hey, I have the track listing for Chapter 16, and one of the last tracks is called The Sacrifice. So they're like, oh, God, who dies? And there was all these, like, who could really, who could die in The Mandalorian and keep it a good show? And I was like, you know, sacrifice doesn't always mean death. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, guys. Like, yeah, no, just stop it. Uh, um, for everyone who hasn't watched it, the synopsis of this episode is that uh, the Mando puts together his team, goes after to rescue the child. Chaos and Zeus. <laughs> <laughs> for the record, I just I assumed that by the sacrifice they mean the sacrifice that Din has to make. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how I saw it. Also, yeah, once I saw the episode, I was like, no, that's the sacrifice. Uh, especially, the... sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, especially given what we learned uh, from the previous episode. Hmm. Uh, everything that that he goes through with Mayfield and his conversations with Mayfield, right? It's like, oh yeah, this is he, Mayfield was exactly right. It's like right. he had moved on from his creed to what are you willing to do, right? Quickly for this one thing, I saw this great piece of art where it's Din and he's back uh, in front of the armor, and she asks, "Did were you successful in your mission?" And he says, "Yes." And the armorer says, and what did it cost you? Uh, and then the last panel is just like his silhouettes and the full panel is taken up by the word everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh. It was really good. Um, although, what's the what's Bilber's character's called again? What's his name? It's um uh, from the last episode. <sighs> oh, Mayfield. Mayfield. So it's been edited now. But Mayfield's uh, Wikipedia entry for like an hour or so, you know, on the side, it lists like the character, like where they're from and on the home planet. If someone wrote planet Boston, space, Boston, space, Boston, <laughs> I was like, oh, well played internet. Sometimes you're good. Yep. Um, so yeah, this one is, we got to see the, uh, the dark troopers unleashed Mm-hmm. Uh, and they apparently are operated by dubstep, which was kind of cool. Sound. <laughs> um, I never thought I watched dubstep in Star Wars, but I'm good with it now. Um, they looked a little Cylon-y for me, to where in my head I'm like, this has all happened before and will happen again. Um, I saw you post that meme. <laughs> yeah. Um, I loved the you know four women storming the bridge of that carrier. I, I think yeah. that is the one element that has been getting overshadowed as incredibly cool. Okay. Oh, really? I guess... Well, okay. I, I hear more from everybody about, oh, like, the two things at the end. It's like yeah. those, those two big things. No, but, I think that's valid. I noticed it, but I didn't talk about it online or anything. Yeah. I, think I also we, just don't want to spoil anything for anybody. We watched it with Ma- Matthew, so it was Merrick, Matthew, and I all watching it together, and it, we all just kind of went, is this an all-woman strike team taking down a, a an Imperial freighter? Yes, yes it is. That's exactly what's going on right now. Um, I think, I mean, yeah, people should be talking more about it. I had this weird thought as to why I think it's not spoken about more. 
And I think it's that this series, since it started, has woven women and people of color into the story itself. But they also haven't been like, look what we did, look what we did. It just was part of this narrative. Mm-hmm. So that by the time you get to four women storming an Imperial cruiser, even like the most, well, I can't say even the most, but even the most like cynical of fan can't be like, oh, look, they're trying to be woke because you've seen this built up. Yeah. So Fabro Filoni and Kathleen Kennedy have created a universe where it does in a way reflect what the real world looks like. And unlike, even though I love that shot in Avengers Endgame, when all the women superheroes are all in that one shot, it didn't feel earned. It was cool. But it was intentional. It, it was, was intentional. Like, oh, look at all our ladies. Yeah, whereas this one, it was just like, no, these are all just allies or comrades of Jin, you know, of him. And this is what they do. It, you know, so yes, it should be talked about, definitely, and like celebrated. Um, I think the way they told that story shows how you can have integrated and diverse casts without. I'm trying to find a way. I'm, I don't want to say without making a statement because it is a statement. The act of doing it is a statement. You can do it um, without it being pandering. Yeah, there's a way to do it that is performative, and then there's a way to do it that is just like, this is the diaspora that we live in. It's not yeah. even worth mentioning because it just is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that's how they pull it off in this one. And I think that is super smart and and is a good way to go just forward in general with our storytelling. Did um, uh, I do hope either... they recast Cara Dune, but that's a whole thing. <laughs> yes, there there is that. Um, did either of you hear about the uh, the thing on Twitter that happened regarding this? No. no. So a woman, woman who is an actress, puts up on Twitter. It's like, oh my god, Dave, Dave Filoni, this was fantastic. I was really like seeing these four women, you know, kicking ass and and just being awesome in the Star Wars universe. This was fantastic. And men came out of the woodwork, going, "Who the fuck are you to be saying any of this? Who like, why are you even commenting on this?" She's like. Look at my IMDb credits. I'm Hera fucking Syndulla. <laughs> and it was Hera Syndulla, the actress that plays <laughs> Hera Syndulla. Um, which I'll also point out, if you look at her IMDb credits, it's like, oh, you are you were cast to play the character and then they drew it. They, they animated Hera Syndulla off of this actress because this actress looks like she should just be painted green and have Leku's stuck on her head. Right. And she's good to go. So if we don't see Harrison Dula in the Ahsoka television series, I will be very surprised. Yeah, I don't know how we don't. What is the actress's name? Uh, that I don't remember. Although speaking of actresses, though, I, I, if they do recast Cara Dune, which I, now I kind of feel like they need to, mm-hmm. um, I figure, I feel like filming will work out just fine because I don't think we're going to see Cara again until... Uh, Rangers of the New Republic which when they start filming that if I'm correct in the timeline the actress Frankie Adams will be done with the Expanse and she would make an amazing Cara Dune uh, she plays she plays Bobby Draper in the Expanse noted uh, in real life she's five foot seven um, uh, Samoan 
model that turned kickboxer that then became an actor. <laughs> she will wreck you. And mm-hmm. she's a better actor than um, what's her name? Just she can also voice act, right? That's not her real voice in in the Expanse. I don't think so. Because that's like it's that's a slight like the Kiwi accent. Well, she grew up in New Zealand, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's what am I thinking of then? What's weird because I think in the book she's supposed to have a slight Southern accent because all Martians do. Right, Mars is space, Texas. Yeah. <laughs> Something for you to look forward to, Cable. Mars is space, well, Texas. The whole idea <laughs> being is that the first people who colonized Mars were that rugged, like, and they began to affect the Southern accent to sound like they were frontiersmen. Like, and that's, if enough of you start talking that way, your entire planet begins to sound like that. <laughs> that's what happened. And yeah, Cable, you, you beat me to the share. Her, uh, the actress's name is Vanessa Marshall. Mm-mm. And there is already there is in fact already oh no that's a uh, someone did fan art of Amelia Clark as uh, Harris and Dula. No, I mean it's I cute, like but... Amelia Clark is a fine person, but no, absolutely. She's not. doing rom coms now anyway, so. I'm also sending you a couple others. Also, because... uh, I feel like Amelia Clark would be too young to play some Dula by is. the time we get to the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Yes, that would also be. Yeah. I don't um, think this was specifically having to do with the Mandalorian. It's just somebody's Star Wars fan art. Right. Put that in the chat for everyone who. So the other two links that I just sent to you two are the IMDb pages for Tia Sirkar and Taylor Gray, who played um, Sabine Wren and Ezra Bridger, respectively who also still look like their animated counterparts. Yeah. Do they? Yes. Yeah, they, like, I didn't know this. Uh, Matthew was the one that pointed it out, and I started looking them up, and I'm like, oh. Well, they're all the right ages to play those characters in a live-action series. I feel like Dave Filoni has been playing a long game that none of us were aware of. I think so as well, yes. Tia mm. is uh, was in the good place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I could totally see these. Yeah, these people taking up. So there's definitely a lot of places that performers could go. Mm-hmm. But as oh, the man, episode that itself, just makes me feel bad for Ashley Eckstein again. Yeah, I would like to see her show up somewhere in uh, in Ahsoka. She could. Even even as a background character. Apparently Dee Bradley Baker's already been on the show. On Mandalorian. <laughs> Doesn't surprise uh, me. Yeah. So they've been finding places for some of these voice actors to work. Oh yeah, this this framework. kid for sure. Uh, also, right. I think kid. we'll see them show up a lot. He's probably mm-hmm. my age. <laughs> Taylor Gray. <laughs> um But yeah, the the Two big things, of course, were like on on my list of force sensitive users or force users that I thought were going to show up. Yeah, to save Grogu, I think I just automatically went. Yeah, it'll never be him because how how would they do that? That's and then they did that. <laughs> that was me too, but it wasn't. How would they do that? Part of me is like. 
it's such the obvious choice that Favreau's not going to do it. Not saying that he's like M. Night Shyamalan in terms of liking twists. I said, but there is the friggin' obvious choice, and then there's the 500-pound, like, of course it's going to be. I was like, he's not going to play it that way. Just I don't see him doing that. And then when the X-Wing shows up, I'm like, you did do it. And mm-hmm. now I realize that I want that. Now I mean, if it's not I, Luke, I'm going to be pissed, you know? <laughs> I think I think they, they decided that, like, it seemed so obvious that no one would believe they would do it. Yeah, right. That and was then they definitely just, where I was And then they I just leaned at. into it. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not, you know, my memory is so crappy that I actually spent the whole buildup where they're, like, basically telling you without telling you. The yeah. X-Wing, the Green Saber, all of that, I'm like... Oh my god! I can't process this information. Who is it? Who is it? Who is it? And I then, even, like, I was like oh, the longer it goes, like the more you think you know. And I'm like, "What's coming? Here it comes! Oh, it's here it is!" <laughs> I, to me, the X-wing was not the giveaway. When the X-wing shows up, I'm like, "Oh yes, here it is! Rogue Squadron coming to save the day." And wait, it's only one. Why is there only one X-wing? Wait oh, okay. a minute. Right. Wait a minute. And then it was the lightsaber. I'm like, "But that's not." That, that can't be right. And then they show it, it's green and it's one gloved hand. It's like, yeah. Oh no. I think I looked at Merrick in the middle of this. I'm like, are they actually doing this? <laughs> um, and recreated almost every shot from the end of rogue one. Mm-hmm. The way Luke takes out the dark troopers is very similar to Vader's rampage at the end of rogue one. It's apparently also shot for shot of, um, something from Clone Wars of Anakin taking out an entire platoon of uh, droids. I have to rewatch Clone Wars. Oh, wait. So much Clone Wars. Um, one thing I really liked about that scene with Luke, I'm going to go a little beer here a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where my brain went. That scene with Luke actually made Ryan Johnson's choice for Luke in The Last Jedi click even more for me because in the Mandalorian we see him now Luke is like at the peak of his power almost mm-hmm. he is the last Jedi master he has taken out the emperor he is responsible for the fall of the empire he does I know he'll never take it all the way but like the galaxy now sees him he is the Luke Skywalker and when I watch that scene he takes out those dark troopers with like ruthless efficiency, but more brutal than he had to. He could have just sabered them all. Mm-hmm. There are times where he's throwing them. The one he just crushes mm-hmm. and it's with the gloved hand. He just, he just crushes it. And in my head, I'm like, Oh, this is where Luke is realizing that. Yes. I, 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 you know, avoided the lure of the dark side last time, but just by this much. And I'm now realizing that I am Anakin's son. And that anger that is in us is in me. And I can see that planting the seed in him being like, one day I have to be taken out of the equation. I will become the danger that I fought against my whole life. I have to go away. And I feel like that scene in my head that's the first thing that plant. That's the kernel. That's that's the little seed that starts that little voice in his head huh. that tells him one day he can't do it anymore. He has to go away. Uh, so, 
Sorry, I just I'm blew my, no, no, that's fine. Um, I'm just over here blowing my own mind, getting my mind blown. <laughs> These things happen. So after I watched the episode, I I must have had to do something and like walk away. I forgot to ever go back and check who the actor was. Mm-hmm. Did not put it together. Yeah, with him. I and I know he did the tweet. You know, the next day, but I just, I did not make the connection. I there, had no idea it was Mark Hamill. There was an oh, actor yeah. who did the fight scenes, and he's listed as the Jedi. But but when once he takes his cloak off, his hood off, that's a, fucking Mark Hamill. It's a digitally altered Mark Hamill. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine what it took to keep that shit secret for that long? I mean, Mark Hamill's a professional. But I mean that entire set... Granted, I'm sure they were NDA'd within an inch of their life. I mean, they all are. Yeah, but it's just hard to imagine. Like, yeah, I get it. I still find it very impressive that that they managed to keep that a secret until it aired. Mm. I, I I think that's an impressive kind of production thing that they pulled off. Um, I just I, I I think that the the cast, the actors that they bring in, even when it's only like for onesies, onesie twosies, you know, they've they've got pedigree they are experienced professional actors right no and also they are all nda you know yeah i already mean that i mean like some like pa that was on the set was an nda and then like a month or so later gets drunk was like oh guys you have no idea who i was on the set with well who oh shit i shouldn't have said anything that's what i I don't mean the key players the above the you mean like everybody else yeah yeah i'd like to imagine that like kathleen kennedy pulls them all into a room and says if this is revealed before Mark Hamill takes his hood off, I am going to have to destroy all of you. And I'm Kathleen Kennedy, and I can. So just know, I will, you know, yeah, no, like like gangster stuff. I will not only kill you, I will remove your family, and your entire line will cease to exist. So stay quiet. <laughs> yep. I am Kathleen Kennedy. I can make this happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, I had someone uh, ask me, they were watching the gallery and they're like, yeah, I, I recognized everybody in the interviews and this and this. And then there was this one woman, I don't recognize her at all. I'm like, oh, that's Kathleen Kennedy. She's the reason we have Star Wars. <laughs> they're like, what? Like, no, no, she she shepherded everything in everything like she's the she's the reason that we still have star wars <laughs> she's also why you have jurassic park mm-hmm. uh, uh, she's also going to be the reason we'll have indiana jones again mm-hmm. she's been involved you go on her imdb and it is it is almost ridiculous what she has been the ep on it's her first movie was Alive in 1993, and there hasn't been a year where she was not producing two or three movies. I do believe... No, hold on. I'm on her IMDb, and it says her first uh, production credit was E.T. in 1982. Yeah, I'm going... I, you know, I didn't scroll down long enough. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think the thing is, like, she's she's somebody who's been around for a really, really long time, but she's never had any spotlight on her until what, like a decade ago? Uh, until Star Wars fans wanted somebody to blame when they weren't happy with where the franchise was going. Yep. How's that and, working out? 
Yeah, n- never. Yeah. They're still going to do that. Like, oh yeah. It- oh, that's right. You were um, one of you guys was talking about how uh, fanboys are <clears throat> basically like rooting for her to be fired and be replaced by Filoni yeah. and Favreau. Yeah, that was me going off on somebody. And it's exactly uh, like. Yeah. yeah, like no, that doesn't make sense. They are here to direct. She yeah, is well, here to EP. And the mm-hmm. comment was like, "Just keep Kathleen Kennedy away from the Mandalorian and Star Wars." I'm like, "She's the reason you have the Mandalorian." Yeah. None of these shows happen without her approval. Her talent is knowing talent and being a producer. And even beyond just that sexist comment of people, the last thing you want is Favreau or Filoni to become the EPs because then they stop working on the show. That's mm-hmm. a full-time gig all by itself. I mean, they they are they are EPs, but they're not. It's not her end. It's no. She I runs a think, literal empire. I don't think people understand what producers do. Like <laughs> I, I think the. It's similar to like I don't think people understand what CEOs do. Now, granted, I'm not going to get into the whole discussion of CEOs. Also, don't deserve the. Extraordinary amount of pay that That's they get. That's a whole thing. Yeah, um, like ten times the amount of the their the bottom line worker. That makes sense. But, you know, a thousand times more is a fucking crime. Yeah. Um, but like they don't know what producers do. It's like, oh, there's a lot of flavors. Like, of- oh, that just means you, you provide money. I'm like, that's not what that means. That's not what that means. <sighs> An there actor are, can have producer inve- credits, but not necessarily have a lot of creative input. There are producers that are just money people. She's not one of them. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I love that she has one acting credit. It is uncredited. She's a backup dancer in Anything Goes at the beginning of Temple of Doom. <laughs> nice. Oh, I'm going to go back and watch that. Now I want to go look for her, yeah. Yeah. I keep waiting for her to show up somewhere in the background of one of these Star Wars shows. Or maybe she, knowing her though, she's probably savvy enough to be like, look, I know, I appreciate you want to give me a cameo, it'd be fun. Don't put me in front of the camera on a Star Wars show. Otherwise, that's all people will talk about and they'll hate the episode. Mm-hmm. Just because I, I know. know. That is not necessarily true. Stephen King cameos in every single one of his movies. But Stephen King isn't loathed by a section of fans that just think that she is all the reasons why it's not their Star Wars anymore. Those guys can eat a bag. Of course. Um... Yeah, it's 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 whatever. I mean, like you can you can not like her if you want, but you're to root against her is to do yourself a disservice. Well, I'm sure I was a when I was a younger fanboy and didn't know like understand as much about these things as I do now. Like I would have gone, oh, yeah, this must be Kathleen Kennedy's fault, and none of that is true. Right? Yeah. No. It's like you have to understand what those people do for a living to understand what kind of mark they're actually making on it. And it's like if you are thinking 20 years out all the time, you are going to make different decisions than people who are trying to figure out what to have for breakfast next week. Right. Yeah. Or in two days from now. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about the other, you know, narrative 500 pound gorilla in this last episode. Fuck me. Uh, and that would be what happened to Bib Fortuna after Jedi, which I was always curious about. <laughs> and... <laughs> he he uh oh. he was living large on the yeah. remains of quick, Jabba's. Empire. Quick little quick little note. 
I knew it couldn't happen for multiple reasons. But it would have been neat if Boba Fett had flown back when Luke was there and have him be like, you're, you, you're, oh, you're the, I can't yeah. take you now, but one day, Skywalker, I'm, I am, I would have loved to exchange nah. Luke, you know, him and being like, whenever you're ready, Boba. <laughs> that's a, that's a little too, uh, yeah, I Oh, it. I know. That's why I didn't want it. But my, the, the nerd in me could be like, that'd have been funny. Which you knew that they had that conversation at the, at the writer's table of like, how are we going to do this? Boba's going to drive the getaway car and he's not going to be there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because otherwise that's a fight that we don't want to put on screen. Mm. Right. Uh, Boba ain't winning that fight. <laughs> no. <laughs> so generally speaking, I thought it was, it was fun that they, that they put Bib Fortuna in there and, and did the weight thing because it, it's just part of the title, right? If you're, if you're the head hut, you're you're bigger than all the other huts. It's, it's you know it's it's the hut isn't a title. It's a race. It's I know. Race. Um, I just can't think of. I I I didn't have. What is he like? He's a Twi'lek. He's a Crambots. Wait. Right, right, right. Oh. What, the, the, it's not a syndicate. He mm-hmm. is. Uh, he's just. Oh, yeah, it he's is just a, a crime boss. But it's, it's the it's hut the syndicate. Hut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But so because he is the head of that syndicate, he is the biggest hut. They're not all his size. He was massive. And I always just assume that that was like a symbol of his status. Am I not making sense? Yes, except Hut isn't a title. No, no, no. I know. I I said that and I I didn't because I did not have the title in my head. Gotcha. I think just yeah, I think is what happens that if you are Jabba's major domo for most of your life, you you might be second in command, you're still eating scraps, and now mm-hmm. you're in charge. Big yeah. Fortuna ain't never eating scraps ever again, and he's gonna keep eating and eating and eating. He's successful. Yeah, it's, yeah, that vacuum can't stay, and so obviously Bib Fortuna is the obvious yep. person to fill that role, right? And and start well, enjoying all of the benefits that Jabba used to enjoy. That and everyone else was on the barge and got killed. <laughs> that helped a lot. That's true. There really wasn't anybody else in that uh, in that den uh, mm-hmm. except for a new sex slave. Well, you know, but you know, Fennec freed her. Oh man! It, like I appreciate. We've seen what Fennec can do in as a sniper and mm-hmm. in close quarter combat um, with the same rifle. The fact that she cleans up Fett's light work <laughs> is terrifying. Right. I kind of like that idea that she's the right hand of Boba Fett now. Mm-hmm. You know, and I get the impression that that's a position she likes. I get the impression Fennec never wants to be in the spotlight as most snipers do not. Right. Because that gets um, you shot. Um, I love that Bova didn't even fucking talk. Didn't even it, say, like, hello. It was just, he was like, bo, bo, pop, pop. Shut up. Get out of my chair. I mean, historically, not a big talker. No, I know. Um, I do appreciate the McClunky shout out. They worked what? that line in, which is hilarious. The what? Okay, so if you watch A New Hope Now on Disney+, Plus, there is a new version. They basically put Han shooting first again, 
but Greedo still gets a shot off. And right before he does, for some reason, they have him yell out, McClunky! It's supposed to be like this Huddy's panic word. It's like supposed to be like the like the Huddy's version of like, oh shit. And it got mercilessly mocked when it was discovered. Everyone's like, what the fuck is this? this is stupid? What is this? So leave it to Favrosi and like, screw you. I'm going to put it in the show then. You watch this, jackass. So this is like that season one uh, scene with the, what is it? A bully, 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 bully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel like if you mock something in the Star Wars universe and if you're like, this ruined Star Wars, Favreau and Filoni are like, watch this. <laughs> we're going to put it in. Not only are we going to make it canon, we're going to use it a yeah. lot. I, I enjoy the idea that they're just going to keep tanking all of the little nitpicky things that Star Wars fans hate over you know over the, the decades and then just like throw it in there just because. Just yeah. M count. Uh- Fucking I, I also like how it's like Jamie, so unnecessary. Like how Jamie just put out that Fennec has literal abs of steel. Fennec. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> That's true. So um, I, I like that uh, their partnership. I like the fact that that the book of Boba Fett is uh, much like what I was talking about with Star Trek Discovery. This is now the same thing that's happening with the Star Wars universe, where we have another show that is led by a Pacific Islander and an Asian American. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I'm really appreciating more Asians in my sci-fi. What was the other thing that, uh, what was the other thing that uh, Brown people saved Star Wars? The, oh, Pedro Pascal, Oscar Isaacs, um, Diego Luna and Rosario Dawson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I saw that a few days that ago. I'm like, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Um, good. Yeah, I'm totally fine with it. We don't we don't need any white people. That's fine. <laughs> Except Luke. Luke's fine. We'll keep Luke. That's fine. He's fine. Um, uh, I love that last shot, but I am such a sucker for the shot of like one of the scoundrel characters not pouring the glass of booze, but just spitting out the cork when the shot's just mm-hmm. one of them chugging, and Boba just like. I think I noticed in that final shot. Um, Rewatch, well, you don't have to rewatch it. His pose is very similar to the end of Conan the Barbarian when Conan's on the throne. It's you're the, not boom. Here's this is my house now. You're yeah. not the first person to mention that oh, to yeah? me that they got nice. real big Conan vibes from yeah. that last shot. Oh, where he just sits on the throne. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were talking while we were watching it, it, it's like that was very King Lear. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think the so, book of Boba Fett is just someone. Uh, someone's going to straighten out the ledger. Yes, yes, I, yeah. I tend to agree. I think Boba Fett has a fuck you list, and he's cleaning house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be interested to see what that is because this is not the Boba Fett from Empire. This is not the Boba Fett from Jedi. This is Boba Fett having lived hard for five years on Tatooine. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're right. I was thinking it was going to be first, whatever reason, I was thinking it's going to be like um, Old Man Kenobi. No. Uh-uh. No. But that's not that's not quite right. Cause... And, and it's going to continue in the same timeline concurrently with Mandalorian and then the upcoming Ahsoka and 
Rangers of the New Republic because all four shows are going to culminate in one crossover event. Mm. Although it might be nice if they if they drop in like flashback stuff so that we do get some sort of groundwork on what happened between the Sarlacc pit and the day he shows up with Fennec Shand uh, to 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 catch up with Din. I, I'm actually hoping for like I am also hoping for flashbacks, but not just how he survived the Sarlacc pit and what he did for five years on Tatooine. I want them to go further back. I'd be fine with that too. Because I'd like to see Boba Fett from the end of Revenge of the Sith to A New Hope. All of that area. That's where the legend really grew. Also, he doesn't... uh, Boba Fett doesn't have any screen time in Rebels, correct? No. no. So he has a little bit of activity and like character development in Clone Wars, and then you don't see him again until the first movie. Until Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, technically, yes, he's in the the new editions of A New Hope. But if I had you... to guess, one of the ways the Book of Boba Fett is going to go, mm-hmm. there's a part of me that thinks they have been secretly talking to Samuel L. Jackson and the book of Boba Fett's going to end with Boba wanting revenge for his dad. I don't think Mace Windows dead. I think we've hmm. talked about this before. Yeah. That would tie into who saved Grogu. Because exactly. the theory is that um, Mace Windu survived the fall, got back to the temple, saved, like took Grogu and sent him on the path that led him to the Mandalorian. Right. Um, and then disappeared. Yeah. I, Although I thought there were, there, isn't there a school of people who think it was Jocasta New? That was one of my early thoughts, but hmm. um, only because Because she, she would have been there when it happened. Yeah. And she stays there even during post-Revenge of the Sith until she has that confrontation with Vader. Mm. Where she turned her lightsaber into a friggin' sniper rifle. That was metal as hell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the reason that I wanted to see like um, the led the that in between time between Sith and A New Hope for Boba stories is Daniel Logan, who is the second actor to play Boba Fett, is the right age to play a thirty year old Boba Fett. That's right. We talked about this last week, didn't we? And he's still fit. And he's still, like, he's gone to conventions cosplaying as Boba Fett. Well, that's cool. And it would be neat to see them use both Tamara Morrison and Daniel Logan to kind of tie that all together. Yeah. But that's my personal fan stuff. Whether it happens or not, who knows. But it would be fun. They could get to finally tell that story of how Boba's helmet got dented. Yeah, it's true. Oh, shit. Um, and it's a slightly sad note, but there is a... There's kind of a bittersweet... It's kind of nice in a bittersweet way that the actor who played Boba Fett in the movies, the physical actor, lived long enough to see... The character was really kind of given a raw deal in Jedi, kind of be given mm-hmm. what the character deserves. Yep. And that's, that's got to have been a pretty cool... Because from everything I've heard, he was actually incredibly gracious. And Jeremy Bullock. Jeremy Bullock. He would go to mm-hmm. conventions. 
you know, even though he knew he was never the voice, and he actually knew he was never going to be the voice. They did tell him. They didn't pull David Prowse on him. Um, um, He was still super gracious to play. Like, he was... He, apparently he loved to meet fans he'd wear the armor back when he could he'd always pose with them he was just he was really cool with fans apparently he also befriended daniel logan and they kept in touch as he got older Oh, really yep the, also cool. there are a lot of photographs of daniel logan in the boba fett armor yep so he's down yep and uh like i was reading the wiki on jeremy bullock he was uh he and his wife were still married, um, and he had, they had three children together, and ten grandchildren between those three kids. So, like he, he from all accounts, he lived a a good life that he enjoyed. Yeah. So, that's that's always nice to hear. It mm-hmm. doesn't often happen with genre actors. So, nope. A good um, and long life. You, what more can you ask for? Yeah. He is actually on screen in Empire, uh, outside of the Boba mm-hmm. Fett costume. He's he's, um, uh, he's the Imperial officer uh, holding uh, Leia as they are escorting her off. Yeah, when she's like, "Luke, it's a trap! It's a trap!" That's him yep. holding her. Yeah, and then like I guess the final thing, the thing that really got to me was, and this was super intentional was the scene where he takes the helmet off so Grogu can finally look at him. Because that's oh, a straight yeah. up, let me look at you with my own eyes. Mm-hmm. And for as personally as, as, as awful as I kind of thought the CGI for Luke was, um, the one thing they did do pretty well is they gave Luke an emotional reaction to that. Like he had a slight like, I get what this means. Like, I get this feeling. I get this. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really, really subtle and really, really sweet. <clears throat> um, and I also like the idea of when R2 comes out, which also got me to choke up seeing R2 again. I was like, oh, God, there it is. But in my head, you know, people think R2's shaking because he's excited. And I was like, no, no, he's thinking another one of these little green sons of bitches. Mm-hmm. You know, last time I saw one of these things, he beat me with a stick. He took my flashlight from me, and now I gotta fly with him. Oh, that was ages ago. You can tell me R two doesn't hold a grudge. <laughs> Everything about what we've learned about R two D two indicates that he is a grudge holding motherfucker. Yeah, murder bot. <laughs> the only one oh, more murderous man. is Chopper. You know, <laughs> I I appreciate Chopper more than I do R two D two because. Chopper, I understand Chopper's murderous intent. Like that that droid has PTSD. I was gonna say, yeah, they never go out and say it, but that's a droid that has PTSD. Yep. I mean R2 D2 has seen a lot of shit. Yes, but R2 D2 is is also a psychopathic murderer. But you're saying that you you understand it more from Chopper. Chopper was a, an astromech droid that got pushed to the point of this was his reactions. R2-D2 was killing motherfuckers inside of two years of his introduction in The Phantom Menace. Good for him. Like, he... It's... 
like it still astounds me that on screen he filled a room full of battle droids with oil and then set them on fire with his jet rockets. Yeah, but those are droids. He's a droid. That's that's like murder that's for your worse. own kind. Yeah. Like yeah. I would have felt a little better about him doing it to people. <laughs> but no, he did it to droids. It's like, oh you're you're awful. There's no Asimov rules in uh, in galaxies far, far away. No, not at all. <laughs> nope. Yeah, R two D two is is a psychopath. <laughs> I love the little guy. I I didn't really realize that until. Yeah, it was after the the prequels, and <laughs> then I went back to watch A New Hope and went, oh, I don't like R two D two anymore because he knew everything. He's <laughs> never had his memory wiped. He knew, he recognized every single one of these motherfuckers, even though they're like, I don't recognize this droid. It's like, droid recognizes you. And that's, you but, recognize that's, but that's not R2-D2's fault. It's Anakin's fault, if it's anyone's. True, but... Up until the point where he becomes Darth Vader, because at that point, <clears throat> someone says, wipe those droids, and it never happens because they get away. It happens to C-3PO. Like, C-3PO has a etch-a-sketch of a brain. Like, <laughs> well, you also throttle keep him his mouth much. shut. Yep. Yeah, Which 3PO is why knows, you have to... 3PO's nose, you know, snitches get stitches. Mm-hmm. Go, go. Well, go. we should wrap up the show here. We've been going on for a bit. Indeed. But... I mean, we said we would. Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we warned them. They knew what they were getting into. That's true. Um, I mean, the only downside is now I'm down a sci-fi show. Thankfully, The Expanse is back, so I still have two shows a week, at least until January, when Discovery's done. Yeah. I, so I'll have to start on that soon. Did you Have you watched any of The Expanse? No. Nope. Up until now? Okay. Nope. Um, I did so just you... finish the season one of Westworld yesterday, so Ooh. I'll get there. I'll get there. The one thing I will say is that The Expanse is a very slow burn. Um, it takes a long time establishing the universe to make it feel lived in and relatable before you really start to get to the crunch of the story itself. Okay. I don't think that's true at all. I do. I think it takes like four or five episodes before you really get story stuff. You get a lot of background world building. I'm not going to argue with you because I don't want to spoil anything burn? for... <laughs> Compared to like what people expect now, if they don't get hooked by first it is, episode, it is a modern show. You only get like ten ish episodes per season. Yeah. So you know when he says four episodes, that's halfway through the season. Um, no, I staunchly disagree, but I'm not going to get into it right now. All right. I don't. I don't want. I don't want to ruin anything for cable. All right. Oh, I know oh. what you're going to disagree. I know. What, okay, never mind. You're right. But it's. I think we have different viewpoints of what I mean by slow burn. Maybe. Maybe. But if we say anything, we'll ruin it for cable. All right. We won't. Don't do that. All right. So next week, I think we're going to do like a special kind of like cocktail hour for listeners. Yeah. Sort of a post-Christmas, not quite New Year's fancy party. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wear fancy hats, drink with our pinkies up, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cable, I'm going to get you a tiny top hat to put on top of your head. <laughs> all right, then. <laughs> I'm not going to do that uh, unless you want me to. Ooh, I'm good. Ooh. Oh, there's a tiny top I got hit head with the yawns. Glued to his forehead. Oh, you got me. 
Yeah, and right. so um, we encourage listeners to put on a fancy hat of their own and uh, and some some nice cocktails or yeah. cheap beer or anything in between that range yeah. and uh, and join us for our end of the year hangout. Yay! Mm-hmm. Well, with that, I'm Aaron Duran. I'm Anarita. And I am Cable Hashitani. And we will talk to you all next week. Thank you.